This is the Mickey Miles and More podcast. Your one stop for information on Disney races, Disney vacations, Disney theme parks, and more. Now, here are your hosts for the Mickey Miles and More podcast Michelle Scribner McLean, Chris Eliopoulos, and Mike Scopa. Welcome back, everybody. Welcome to part two, where we talk about the history of the Pirates of the Caribbean. When we last left part one, we were talking about the 1964 New York World's Fair and the pavilion that General Electric and the Walt Disney Company put together and how the technologies within that pavilion would be carried on after New York World's Fair closed. Walt uh, did introduce the New Orleans Square area and the um, Pirates of the Caribbean attraction to a television audience. And he, I think he used the original name for the attraction. He called it the, the Blue Bayou Lagoon attraction. And of course it was renamed later. But at the end of the uh, part one discussion on the Pirates, I mentioned that I would tell you in part two about a special Imagineer who would join the Pirates team. This person was Ex Atencio. When Ex Atencio first became an Imagineer, one of his first assignments was to build the Primeval World attraction. That was also part of the Ford Magic Skyway attraction at the 1964 World's Fair. I know, we keep going back to the World's Fair. This uh, Primeval World attraction, it took guests on the, uh, at that time it was called the Disneyland Santa Fe train ride. They went, people would, the guests would go back in time to view dinosaurs in their natural habitat. Sounds kind of familiar. Sounds like it's kind of like the universe of energy, doesn't doesn't it? Well, anyways, that was a a pretty successful attraction. And and Walt then assigned Extensio to the Pirates of the Caribbean. Now, his involvement with the Pirates of the Caribbean was kind of funny because he, that's when he became a lyricist. Um, he came up with the songs for the attraction. When you hear, yo, ho, yo, ho, a pirate's life for me. He wrote that. He also wrote the script for the attraction. And one bit of trivia that a lot of people don't realize is that when you go through the attraction, especially the one in California, you will hear Ex Atencio's voice. Number one. He is the uh, voice that you hear when you're going, when you originally, this was again for the original version of the, um, of the attraction when you had the auction and the auctioneer was auctioning off these ladies uh, and you would hear, are you selling her by the pound? That was ex Atencio's voice. And uh, he also was the voice of the pirate on top of the bridge. And that's what the pirate who says, oh, six bottles of rum. That was the line that he also spoke during the in, within the attraction. And one final uh, bit of information. The skull and crossbones on the wall, uh, as you're riding on the boat, just before you go down the water slide, and the uh, skull says something like, uh, Avast there, mateys, ye come seek an adventure, and salty old pirate, I, eh? That was Ex Atencio's voice. So a lot of people don't realize that not only was he instrumental in uh, writing the uh, the songs and the script, but he also provided some of the voices. But he wasn't the only voice. 
there were two other people who were prominently uh, used in that attraction for their voice talents. One was Paul Fries, and uh, if you know anything about voice actors, Paul Fries comes to mind. He's been the voice of so many cartoon characters, and over the years, he provided something like a dozen voices for the attraction. And the other person who we all know very well was Thurl Ravenscroft. His voice is very, very recognizable. So anyways, you've got these three fellows who provided pretty much all the voices in the, uh, the attraction. So now you know where the voices come from. The uh, New Orleans Square area opened up on uh, July 24th, 1966. Uh, the Pirates of the Caribbean attraction was far from ready, however. You have to remember that we were talking about the blending of two technologies, and they wanted to be very, very sure that they got it right. So the, um, the attraction was taking quite a long time to put together. Uh, so it was, very, it was still unfinished. Uh, but the New Orleans area opened up in July of 66, and um, it was a, a pretty big deal. Uh, they had the uh, mayor of New Orleans there, and uh, they talked about all the shops, and they talked about what's coming, and so everybody got really excited about the new attraction that would open up whenever it would open up. Regarding the attraction, I mean, they, it, was, it was in late uh, October. Actually, it was October 31st that the f- water first started to flow in the attraction so that they could begin testing the boats. Um, then the boat, first boat floated through the attraction on October 31st, 1966. It was still unfinished. They still had a lot of work to do, but obviously they needed to get the uh, boat system working as well as it could before they could move forward with other things. The, um, the sad part about the Pirates of the Caribbean is that we're talking, remember, October 31st, 1966. We all know that Walt would eventually pass away in December of 66. So he, so he never really saw the finished product. But the Imagineers did do whatever they could to uh, keep his spirits up. They put together some type of a dolly that enabled them to bring him through the attraction, where whatever the state it was when they did do this. Uh, they, you know, the, the figures weren't all in place. There's no costumes on, but he was given an idea of what the attraction was, was looking like at a certain point. They did a uh, mock setup of the auction scene in another location uh, so that he could see what that auction scene would look like. However, the only figure that was fully dressed and operational at that time was the auctioneer. But he got a taste and a sense of what everything would, would look like. But again, he passed away in December of 66, so he never saw the full attraction. So when did the Disneyland Pirates of the Caribbean attraction open? In April On April 19th, 1967, the attraction was open to the media and to the press. That was a pretty interesting opening day because if you go back and do some research, you will find out that they put the media and the press on this huge boat and they had these pirates try to uh, take over the boat and there, was a, there were fights on the, on the, the boat and the pirates were, th- were, were thrown off the boat. There were people thrown in the water, not press and not media, but obviously the uh, cast members or the actors and the stunt people who were doing that. They, had, they were bringing up bottles of rum and they were breaking up the barrels and they were drinking rum. It was, 
it was very much a um, sort of like a scene out of a movie. And uh, so the boat lands at the dock and a number of pirates grab this battering ram and they take it and they they run into the doors of the uh, attraction to open it up. Um, It was, uh, you know, pretty much a Disney type of uh, opening. Thus, the media and the press were the first group of people to experience the attraction. Now, remember this. On April 19th, 1967, with the debut of the Pirates of the Caribbean attraction, that attraction was the very first theme park attraction of its kind in the world. And on that date, that was the date that set Disneyland head and shoulders above all other theme parks. And it set a high standard in theme park design that would forever influence theme parks around the world. So now let's move to the Magic Kingdom and Walt Disney World, which opened in 1971. By the way, Pirates of the Caribbean was not part of the original plan for the theme park. So imagine this, you are a Floridian and you are excited when you find out that Walt Disney is, the Walt Disney Company is coming to Florida. They're going to build a Magic Kingdom. They're going to build Walt Disney World in Florida. And you're thinking, oh, wow, we get to see all these special attractions that are in Disneyland. And, of course, everybody knew about the Pirates of the Caribbean. But that was not in the original plan for the Magic Kingdom theme park. And people found out about it, and uh, they weren't happy. But the the thing was that the uh, reason for the Pirates of the Caribbean not being part of the original plan for the theme park was because the Walt Disney Company felt that Florida was pretty much home to so much pirate history and so many real pirate sites that they felt that guests would not want to see fake pirates. So instead of a Pirates of the Caribbean attraction planned for the Magic Kingdom, they decided to put together plans and concepts to build this huge dock ride called the Western River Expedition. So you could call that a a bit of trivia. What was the original name of the Walt Disney World Pirates of the Caribbean attraction. It was called the Western River Expedition. River ride where you started out going by a bunch of cactus and you've got buffalo singing and you've got prairie dog singing. You've got a scene with a cowboy on a horse playing a banjo for longhorn cows and the cows are singing along with the cowboy and uh, eventually the the um, the ride will take you to uh, the town, and you'll see all these town drunks. Uh, you'll see a, uh, a drunk cowboy uh, sitting on his horse, and the horse is on the roof of the saloon. These are all concept uh, pictures that were drawn. Uh, there's a scene where there's a, a group of robbers they're ready to rob a bank. Um, there's a scene of a sheriff sitting on his horse in front of the jail, and there's a and there's a someone in the jail who's burrowing out, burrowing out of the jail, and the, you can see the burrowing coming underneath the the horse where the sheriff is is sitting. Very very funny, lighthearted attraction. This uh, this attraction was supposed to be. Uh, they had a scene where there were women walking by a dance hall saloon, and they're walking by with their children, and the women have their hands over the eyes and ears of the children because. They don't want to have their children look and see and hear what's going on 
in the saloon. Believe there was another scene with a medicine man selling uh, his special magic elixir, and uh, off to the side there were scenes of dogs barking and pigs leading their litter. Very, very, uh, very funny, funny scenes. One of the, one of the pictures that I remember seeing that was pretty cool was um, they had a scene with two robbers who are robbing a stagecoach. And, of course, uh, these uh, robbers are on their horses, and the robbers have bandanas as masks. Well, guess what? Their horses were also wearing bandanas as masks. Pretty, pretty funny. There was, there was a scene with, uh, of course, you had to have Indians in the scene, in the attraction. Uh, there was a scene where there were Indians doing a rain dance. I believe it was on top of a plateau. And so they could get rain, but but the scene showed the the artwork showed that it was raining only above where the where the uh, Indians were dancing, and nowhere else. So think of a, uh, a a number of Indians doing a rain dance on top of a sort of a mountain or a plateau, and you've got clouds on top of them, and it's just raining on them, and everywhere else it's it's sunny. One of the issues of the uh, the concept art for this attraction was that there was a there was a drunken Indian who was tipping his hat to a cigar store Indian. I'm pretty sure that you wouldn't see that if that attraction was in existence today. So basically, it's a Wild West ride, boat ride, that was planned for um, the Magic Kingdom. Now, the attraction was never built, and uh, when the Magic Kingdom opened up in 1971 and there was no pirates... The visitors would complain. They complained in 1971. They complained in 1972. So, in 1973, the Walt Disney World version of the Pirates of the Caribbean opened finally in Walt Disney World. And if you're interested in the actual date that it opened, I believe it was December 15th, 1973. Of course... There were other iterations of this attraction that later opened in Disney parks in Tokyo, Disneyland Paris, and of course, Shanghai. Getting back to the um, version of the pirates in the Walt Disney World, quite different than the one in Disneyland. The one in Disneyland was much, much longer. Uh, the ride in Walt Disney World is about nine or 10 minutes long. So there's a big difference. Uh, the, the queue in Walt Disney World is much longer, too. It's uh, inside. It's supposed to be in a, uh, uh, in a fort. It's uh, uh, outside of the attraction. There's a Caribbean watchtower, which is known as Torre de Sol. Um, it's housed in a golden Spanish fort. What is the name of the Spanish fort in the Magic Kingdom? It's called Castillo del Moro. That was inspired by the Castillo de San Felipe del Moro and the old San Juan in Puerto Rico. There you go. Let's talk a little bit about that Barker bird that's in front of the attraction in Walt Disney World's uh, Pirates of the Caribbean. That parrot pirate that sings Yo-Ho, Yo-Ho, A Parrot's Life for Me. That originally was uh, installed in the unloading area when the ride opened up in 1973, but there was a big issue with crowd control. There was a lot of congestion in that unloading area because people would stay there and look at the bird and listen to him, so they decided to place the parrot outside the entrance in 1975. Here's an interesting note. In, in 1997, uh, there was a change to the uh, 
versions in Disneyland and Magic Kingdom. There were scenes where uh, male pirates were chasing women, and then they uh, changed them where the women were now chasing the pirates and they were chasing them with a broom or whatever. Uh, they also showed uh, they, the pirates that were chasing women were now chasing women because the women had food. They were in pursuit of food. The uh, pirate that was originally sitting next to the barrel uh, and he had a slip and there was a young lady who would poke out of the peek out of the barrel every once in a while. He was changed into a, uh, they casted it, they call it uh, going from a pooped pirate to a glutinous pirate. I believe he had a, a chicken wing or a chicken leg in his hand and then a cat, a cat would poke out of the, the barrel instead of uh, a young lady. So with the um, popularity of the Pirates of the Caribbean movie, uh, the Imagineers started thinking, whoa, all of this, uh, the young crowd who's watching these movies are going to come to the attraction and they're expecting to see some of the characters from the movie in the attraction. And oh my God, we don't have them. So I believe it was in March of 2006 that they closed the attraction and they wanted to tie it in with the, with the movies. So the refurbishment brought with it the addition of Jack Sparrow animatronics to the three individual scenes. They also brought Captain Barbosa replacing the pirate captain in the battle room, and they added that waterfall projection of Davy Jones' face in the cave. The uh, Jack Sparrow animatronics, uh, there was one that was hiding behind the, the dresses in the scene where the mayor is being dumped into the well. Uh, there's also another one with Jack Sparrow in the barrel next to the pirate. Uh, so the, we went from a young lady to a cat to Jack Sparrow poking his head out of the barrel. And of course, we have Jack Sparrow sitting on the throne in the treasure room at the end of the attraction. In uh, 2017, I think it was, uh, they decided to change the auction scene at pretty much all the attractions worldwide. Disneyland Paris, California, Magic Kingdom. They changed it from having women auctioned off to the pirates to now with a new scene with a redhead as the pirate helping the auctioneer sell off loot that were acquired from the, the town's people. In 2012, projections of mermaids swimming alongside the boat and a mermaid skeleton was added to the Disney World version of the, um, of the attraction. Uh, the projections in the water look like light, and you can also hear mermaids singing. That didn't last long. It lasted about three years. Uh, they decided it just wasn't good enough, so they removed it. Good for them. A few interesting things. It may or may not be something you are interested in, but I think it's kind of cool to know that there are, for the Disneyland version, there are 630,000 gallons of water, 53 audio animatronic animals and birds, and 75 audio animatronic pirates and villages in the attraction. And it takes three days to empty and refill the, quote, bayou for renovations. So if they need to work on the ride, they, it takes them a day and a half to drain and a day and a half to refill the water. So that's it. That's pretty much the story of the history of the Pirates of the Caribbean. And again, as much as it is... 67, uh, as much as it is some 55 years old, I think that one of the things we have to keep in mind is that it was the first attraction that 
uh, had a number of technologies combined to really make it an enjoyable attraction. The um, ability to make it look like a nighttime ride through a, a village. The ability to have guests in a boat follow through, which enables a lot of guests to see the attraction in the course of a day. And of course, the audio animatronics that bring the figures to life. And then you've got the songs, and you've got the story, and you've got uh, the fire effect. It's a very popular attraction. And again, for a lot of people, for a lot of people, it's either the first or the last attraction that they experience when they go on a trip to Disneyland or Walt Disney World. If you'd like to learn more about the Pirates of the Caribbean, um, you may want to pick up the uh, book by uh, Jason Sorrell. The title of the book is Pirates of the Caribbean, From the Magic Kingdom to the Movies. I did not use the book for this research, so there may be things in that book that I may not have included in this little discussion. So I want to thank you for listening. I hope that this was enjoyable. I learned a lot along the way doing this research, and uh, I hope that uh, the next time you experience the attraction, I know I will. I will be thinking about some of the things that we've talked about here, and it'll give a little bit of an extra feeling when I ride the attraction. So for my co-hosts, Michelle scribner McLean. And Chris Eliopoulos, this is Mike Scopa saying, thanks for listening, everybody. We'll see you on the road and in the parks. We hope you enjoyed listening to today's episode of the Mickey Miles and More podcast. For all of us here at the Mickey Miles and More podcast, this is Rick Gregg saying thanks for listening and all your support. And until next time, we'll see you on the road.